I'm Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. And it's early morning in Ottawa, and it's like afternoon here in Malmo, Sweden. And we talk to each other. And, we do. Uh, you would do. And today we're going to talk about you as an advocate. I mean, you always talk as an advocate, but today you <laughs> will be a super advocate. Not a super lawyer, but could be. Uh, I mean, in the U.S. they have these like titles of super lawyers. You are the human rights super lawyer, Leilani. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like I need wings or something. <laughs> you, yeah, you, for sure you need wings. Uh, you have wings. And we are recording this a little bit in advance because I'm taking off for... Uh, for a film shoot, and while I'm away, you will be in the European Parliament, which then will be the 2nd of June. This is now we're releasing this episode, the 1st of June, so tomorrow you will speak in the European Parliament as a human rights super lawyer. And we're also going to show a film. We are. One of my favorite What's films. Film? Maybe my favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> So PUSH is going to be presented in the European Parliament, uh, invited by the member of European Parliament, Kim Sparentak, who was here a guest of our podcast. She's from the Green Party from the Netherlands, a really cool and active person. You, you know her since before, Leilani? I've known her a while now. Maybe, I think before the pandemic, but we've never met in person, only online. Um, because of the pandemic. She's super cool. I mean, she she understands the importance of housing. She understands the threat of finance in housing. Uh, I mean, she's, you know, the Green Party, so she understands climate change too. She's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that the Green Party's everywhere understands uh, the financialization because no. sometimes they, they also sit together with conservatives and then they are they end up being quite neoliberal or they put a blind eye to the liberal side that is happening for example in the city of Stockholm here in Sweden where the Green Party is a part of the of like the right-wing coalition and then they get a lot of bike lanes which I think is cool but then <laughs> they are a part of selling out uh, city-owned housing and so on so it's right it, they they have some issues uh, the, the Greens uh, but then they do a lot of good stuff also, of course. And this, this showing here in the, in the European Parliament is, is really cool. And, and I, today, we, I mean, you are the main guest today because you are the super lawyer, as I said. And you've had this kind of project ongoing for a long time, a very long time. You worked a lot. And tomorrow, June 2nd, you're going to present your big work. This is like, this is going to be on the table of governments all over the world for at least 10 years. So it's the human rights directives for um, the housing sector. This That's right, except we're calling them the shift directives. The from shift directives. Yes. The shift yeah, directives. I, I would call them the Leilani Farah Super Lawyer <laughs> Directives. <laughs> well, truth, truth be told, we had a hard time coming up with a name. Uh, yeah. There are, you know, big legal standards out there where people use their names, but it's often men 
And I didn't feel so comfortable to do that because there's no way something like this comes together because of one person. Let me tell you, that's 100% for sure. While I definitely drove the shift directives, they are not the Leilani Farha directives. They were so many people contributed, experts and amazing thinkers. And I have to say this before I, before anything else, my amazing colleague, Sam Freeman, who was like my co-author. So we call them the shift directives, but I love that because of the shift. We need a shift. So I'm happy for the shift, but I'm also happy for you, Leilani. I'm, I'm reading the, the headlines, directive number one, shift to human rights based housing framework. Wow. Number two, regulate institutional investment in housing to comply with human rights. Institutional investment, wow. Three, ensure renovations and redevelopment of, are constant with human rights. Like, this is like the three, you know, I mean, Big and then ones. it goes on. Yep. It goes and on. So tell me, what, is, what, are you, what, what, what do you want to achieve, my dear? Yeah. Well... I guess when I think about, I was thinking the other day, why the heck did I do these directives? Like what, what motivated me? Cause it was such a long project. Really. I think I've been writing these for maybe 18 months now. Um, and to be honest, it's just my own feeling that it is unbelievable. It's incredulous that housing has been taken over by finance. I just, I, I don't know why I, I'm like stuck on it, but I cannot get over it because it keeps happening, happening, and no one seems to be doing much about it. So, so that was the why I think was just like, okay, we need to stop this somehow. And I think human rights is the way. Um, it's not to say that we don't need investment in housing. It's not to say, um, you know, that it isn't important to fund housing, but it's got to be done by human rights. I know this. So that was the mm. motivation. What do I hope to achieve? Oh, that's a big question, Frederick. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just to our dear listeners, it's, it's a list of 10 directives. Yeah. And in the coming fall, autumn, we will dive deeper into this uh, and, and maybe also bring in some of your experts so we can. But I think... What we understood, what I understood when we, we when I did push was that kind of there is a lack of language uh, yeah. to talk about things, and, and 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 push was to try to create some kind of counter language to the financial lingo that is like dominating the political sphere a lot. And I mean, we know that and that lingo is also created by the lobbyists and the think tanks, financed by the rich guys. So. The film was a counter language. This is for sure a counter language. And, and you are giving tools to now legislators in countries to talk about. So I, mean, it's, it's, I think it, this is, will be really useful because there are, of course, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think in some ways we are living in, in a two paradigm shifts at the same time, you know, the, the pandemic and the war in Ukraine. There is, there is a lot before and after. Yeah. And I think uh, it's, it's good to have some platforms to talk about the future together with. And I think you are providing this now. And that's, it's really cool. So yeah. I first of all, I congratulate you. 
Thank but you, tomorrow Frederick. you're going to speak in the European Parliament. So what will be your yeah. opening sentence? I mean, haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> oh, come on, I want to see. No, no, I'm sorry. But it will be you something know, in French, something in German. How do you will? Something ah, peut-être je peux parler yeah. français un peu, bien sûr. Um, no, really. I mean, the probably the biggest sentiment is, you know, they're here. They're here. The shift directives, you know, moving us away from financialized housing to a framework that will, will, and I take this line from you, a framework that will make happier societies, more equal, more just, greener societies if this framework is adopted. So that's probably how I'll start. Um, Sustainable in all In way, all ways, meaning, exactly. Always, not only exactly. ecological, but, but also socially sustainable. Which is like Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's part of sustainability that no one talks about. I mean, mm. when I talk about is this sustainable, what I mean is, can we keep squeezing every penny out of people for rent? And we know the answer is no, because people need food. They need, unfortunately, still gasoline. They need clothing. They need all sorts of things, medicines. So so it is unsustainable. Uh, and And I do believe the framework that we're presenting here through the shift directives is more sustainable uh, if anyone listens. Um, yeah. Leilani, Leilani. <laughs> I know you are a, a small girl from Ottawa, from a nowhere town. That's right. But people listen to you. People, I mean, you have yeah. to get used to that now that you are, you have a very strong voice and your voice will now be heard even more. I think this is an extremely good occasion to present it in the European Parliament yeah. because there will be parliamentarians from many countries and they will bring this home. And uh, this is yeah. only the beginning, of course. It's yeah. only be the beginning. No, I think that's right. I, I have to say one thing that has surprised me and made me feel really good about the process of the shift directives is well, two things. It seems that so many different people coming from different backgrounds and frameworks and education and et cetera, experiences are all believing in the human rights framework, which is super cool, right? And that's what you and I have been talking about for a long time, you know, and Saskia says in the film, like the power of law. You have taught me, you're, you're my advocate, <laughs> my, my super lawyer. So, but thank you because I'm, you know, even filmmakers can learn more. All the time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We well, even advocates everything. can. But it's it yeah. that has made me feel. I've been surprised the amount of uh, support and sort of a consensus that the human rights, e even people who are working with investors, for example, who weighed in on the shift directives, like talked to me about them, and and you know, even even though their clients are investors they're still seeing the need for this human rights approach. And, and so a, an emerging consensus is pretty cool. And I didn't anticipate that, I have to say. And I suppose the other thing that surprises me is the feeling I'm getting from people that they were waiting for this, that, mm. that there's this big gap And it's filling this gap. And I, I think Push the Film was a bit like that too, right? After people saw it, they're like, 
I needed this explanation of what was happening to me as a tenant. And I'm getting the same feeling with the shift directives. People are like, we need this. We need something to push back, right? Tell me about the process, because I know you've been consulting with lots of people all over the world. So this is really, in some way, it's almost like... um, when you as we, you've been working together with people, everybody is like also digging deeper into the the meaning of this. Tell me, tell me about your process. Yeah, so I have to thank the Open Society Foundation because they gave me a fellowship to work on these. So I spent some time just with my little team. Um, I, I, it was me and Sam Freeman and a fellow from Spain named Manuel, who's a real expert in uh, financialization, especially in the context of Spain. So I wanted someone who, who was living the financialization reality all the time and an, and an expert. So the three of us with a student, Michael, uh, we really just wrote. We wrote a set of directives and we brainstormed them and wrote them. And then I sent them out to a group of, oh, I think 110 experts in many different ways. So human rights experts, movements, grassroots movements, like many that have been on pushback talks, um, academics, um, people with experience in finance itself, economics, um, really a huge range of people. Many of the people that we've had on this uh, podcast, in fact, authors, uh, Anna Minton, Aaron Glantz, um, et cetera. So you never um, asked me. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't a read a fifty-page document. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let but him, let I need him a... run around and yeah. That's okay. right. No, you got put I in a different you. category. You just wait. You got put in a different category. <laughs> so, I ended up having a kind of webinar feedback process where people were just able to just tell me what they thought, what was missing, what was good, what was bad, what was ugly, you know, all of that. Uh, then I did another draft and um, it became clear that I needed to establish a, a, an advisory council, like a smaller group who could really work in a more concentrated way. So I formed a global advisory council with some real, really, you know, top-notch thinkers in the area of financialization. Um, Raquel Rolnick, my again, predecessor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, again, you weren't in that phase, Frederick. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Keep him out. Don't want his opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, Raquel, was. it was really delightful for me to have the opportunity to work closely with Raquel. She's so amazing. Um, uh, but many others um, who, uh, with real expertise, some folks um, who'd worked at the UN, uh, in other capacities, uh, people who've written books, et cetera. I mean, it was just an amazing group. And um, they actually said to me, this is good and everything, but it's way too long. And Uh-oh. no one's going to read it. Yeah. They said, no one's going to read it. And they were saying, like, we're experts and we could barely get through it. So how do you expect Uh-oh. anyone to read this? It was a very low moment in the process, but a really good moment, too. And I think, Frederick, you know me. I like a challenge, and I want my work to be relevant, and I want people to read it. I, I, you know, 
and and to be affected by it. So I was like, okay, fine. It, it, I actually became obsessed. Okay, I am going to turn a 60-page document into a 15-page document. And I did with the help of my team. Uh, this is and, 42 pages. Yeah, but most of it's endnotes. So each directive <laughs> is one page, pretty much one page. And uh, the background is five pages. So we've got 15 pages. It's pretty cool. Mm. Um, so if you're just reading the text, you know, for those who read the foot footnotes, it's a much longer document. Anyway, that was it. However, then I decided, okay, now we need people to endorse this thing, right? So that's where you come in, Frederick. Mm -hmm. So I have solicited opinions and quotes from high, really, you know, super high level people who probably won't have the time to read the document in every fine detail, uh, but who I wanted, you know, what, what do you think? Could you give me a quote? So people like Mariana Mazzucato, who's giving me a quote. Saskia, of course, giving me a quote. Frederick Gerton, hopefully, waiting for his Leilani's quote. Leilani's directors are the directors of the super lawyer of human <laughs> rights. Can you put that in? <laughs> With <No>. wings. <laughs> With wings. That's right. <laughs> she has wings. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's the process. And now we are rolling it out. At Along the way, I should say, along the way, um, Kim, the member of European Parliament, had indicated that she wanted to screen push. And we came up with this date, June 2nd. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to launch the shift directives at the same time. And she loved the idea and her team has been working tirelessly with mine to make that happen. So, so that just was by chance, which meant I had to really push myself because I was actually not ready for June 2nd. I was more ready for the end of June. So, so they got produced. There we go. It's cool. And it's a pity I can't be there. So it you is. have to send my love. Um, but I think... On the other hand, this is your show, and the film is doing quite well also without me. That's the cool thing with films. You make them, and then they can have their own life. So it's fine. I'm, I'm happy, and uh, because I also need to, to move on with my, my work. Still well, I'm only relevant. happy because I know that while this is launching, you're off filming for your next film, and that makes me happy. Yeah, that's good. And then I will ask you for a quote from my film. I doubt it. On the poster, amazing <laughs> film. A must um, see. He does it again. <laughs> yeah. We can be totally corrupt here. Yeah, it's fine. Let's be, <laughs> let's be corrupt. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm reading the titles here. I mean, ensure international financial institution and frameworks adhere to human rights standards. Mm. I mean, that's like the number 10. But I mean, so will everybody love this? I mean, what do you think they will say, the financial sector, the ones, because I, I mean, I'm reading here, I mean, this is in your little preamble. I mean, mm -hmm. this, is, this is the classical things we also have in push. 1.8 billion people are homeless or live in grossly inadequate housing around the world. 1.8 billion people. Yeah. And in the end of 2020, the value of residential real estate is an estimated 258.5 trillion US dollars, a lot of money. Housing has become by far the most valuable asset on earth, 
worth three times more than global GDP and more than 20 times all the gold ever mined. And then you have a little note. There is a cascade of negative social effects. But I mean, you are in some way also con with these directives confronting an amazing business. And you're doing this with, with legal words and you're trying to get politicians on your side, lawmakers law on your side. So how will they react? The Blackstones, the Black Rocks, the Achelius, the Heimstaden, what are, all the names yeah. they have. I think they'll probably think that I mischaracterized their business. We know from our interview with Peter S. Goodman, the New York Times correspondent and the author of Davos Man, that they position themselves, Blackrock, Blackstone, Vonovia, uh, etc., position themselves as the saviors. They are solving the housing crisis. So mm. they will dispute my narrative, which is they are causing the housing crisis. And and if they want in, I mean, I allow them in the ship directives. I, I allow them a kind of small in. If they want in, then they play by human rights rules. And here they are in 10 directives. So, but they will discount this completely. The only thing that will give them pause, I hope, is the number of people who've been involved in drafting these, the number of people and the quality of the people who are supporting them. It's, it's every, as I said, everyone from grassroots movements to the likes of, you know, the world's leading economists so, uh, and sociologists. So, you know, I, I hope it gives them pause. Of course, we'll have to sell these. We're going to sell these. We have to go and talk to investors. But to be honest, I wonder if, and we haven't dealt with strategy yet. That's way it's, we, you know, it's, it's hard to get this to the finish line in terms of just drafting. But when I start thinking about strategy, it might be that we go after um, the kinds of investors who are open to the conversation in the first place. So there are some investors that are engaged in housing and they think they genuinely think they're doing affordable housing and they're meeting the sustainable development goals. So it might be best to talk with them first. If we start getting movement there, maybe they'll push the big guys. Who knows? Mm. But it's, I mean, I, we, we had a few weeks ago... Um, an episode about, with Joanna Kuschak from Berlin and, and the movement who want to kind of socialize the big chunk of the um, apartment stock in Berlin. And I mean, what they are basically saying is that housing is a human right and it can't be on the open market because the market is not respecting human rights. So we have to wind back. And that is, you know... People with money or entities with money, that's what I understand. They, they don't really have an interest of the content of their in investment. It could be a gold mine. It could be a tech company. It could, can be housing or, can, you know. But what they need is many places to put their money. So if you're taking out a part of the market and saying, okay, this is not going to be allowed to be a speculative market anymore because housing is a human right and you're saying this is the the most valuable 
asset class. So you take out the most valuable class asset class from the market. It's it's a it's a big threat to them. It will have an Im- impact on their business and their yachts. <laughs> I, I I mean. I, I love Joanna because she's very clear in in her articulation of the need for a new relation with with respect to property, right? She said that in in our interview that almost like a we need almost like a revolution within the housing market and new understandings of what ownership means, et cetera. Mm. And I think the shift directives can be read as going there and not going there. So it's kind of like, um, it's not different than my position as you captured in Push the Film, which is, you know, I'm not trying to undo capitalism. I'm trying to tame capitalism so that it is responsive to human rights. Let's try that. Let's try that. And that's what the shift directives are an attempt. Let's try. And if we fail, then let's look at, you know, completely overthrowing capitalism. But we're not there yet. I feel like the human rights experiment hasn't happened yet. Um, So that's what I'm offering. And reading uh, Peter S. Goodman, the New York Times Global Correspondent Economic, his Davos Man book, he also talks about the capitalism he grew up with and he is in favor of that this new capitalism on speed or what do you call it is so destructive to the planet but also to to the companies to the structures so it's like it has to it has to change it's not really a traditional left-wing uh, critique but you will be framed as one for sure because this is as I read this, this is dangerous for, for their business and they will do what they can to to shoot you down. Yeah, that's uh, probably right. That's probably right. I mean and and so be it. And in fact, if you if you read the shift directives, you'll see that really my aim a lot is at governments, like really trying to get governments to engage with these actors in new ways, because governments are the ones who've let this all happen, right? It didn't happen just by chance. We know this. We know governments have established laws and policies that really help these guys. And so the finance, help the financialization of housing. So I really take aim at governments who should be a slightly more receptive audience because they're having to deal with all of the fallout, the inequality, the social unrest caused by the financialization of housing. So they have a more vested interest in doing something about it. And I'm, I mean, you know, I've seen lots of movement. We've seen lots of movement across the world where governments are going, wait a second, this isn't cool. This isn't sustainable. You know, no one can afford to live in my city anymore. The only people who can afford are tourists who have disappeared because of a pandemic. I mean, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm hoping that governments will actually see this as a tool. I think they will. I think there's appetite for this. So um, that's another place I'll go. I'll go knocking. <laughs> that's cool. And let's do, let's do some episodes around your, your um, directives and, yeah. and to try to find a way to, to de- dig deeper into every single order, maybe with some guests also. I think this that would be great. To you to, to find a special guest per, per directive. Per, I think per this directive. Is, 
Yeah, why not? We could do mini episodes. I, we don't want to bore people. We could do mini episodes. <laughs> we will never bore people. That's not our job to bore people. You know, no. our job is to only have fun and drink wine and then sometimes talk about important stuff. Yeah. I think, okay. and I think, actually, I think people are, are okay with important stuff because people also want to do something. A lot of people are really frustrated. Of course, there is right now, uh, especially over here in Europe, now there is a, like a very dark feeling of yes. of um, hopelessness and so on. But I, th we should also remember that this is a moment where history is, is making a turn. And that means that there is also a chance of doing something differently. And then you need tools like, like your directives. Yeah. It's a good moment to, to, to move governments. So I, let's... Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep the light up, and, and now your directors are going to shine over the European Parliament in Brussels <laughs> tomorrow, June 2nd. So, Leilani, I mean, I'm happy to be your friend, even if you don't consult me, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's all good, because I, I would hate to sit in all these web meetings that you have had, so... It's probably yes, but but Frederick, you know that you fundamentally influence <laughs> this work. I would never have gotten so deep into this, but for you in the film, and you know, I think you know that, uh, and I think you'll hear your voice in different parts of the directives when you read them. You'll see, oh, I influenced her on that for sure. That's, uh, I, I mean, a so. lot of my language comes from our conversation. No, seriously, a lot of my language does come from our conversations and me having. Um, grown into this through our conversations, so so I actually owe you thanks. That's and good. let's go. Uh, let's keep and I need to say one more thing putting. before yes. I forget. Tomorrow, June second, the launch. It's being live streamed. So check out my social media platforms to figure out how to watch it uh, or listen to it. Uh, and we will also I, link that to push the film's um, social media accounts. So oh, we great. Also, um, cool. You have to remind my people about that because I will be away, but still it's, I think we can do that. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Congratulations. Long live Europe. And, and then the, <laughs> the Canadian short girl coming there. It, I mean, you will make a splash. <laughs> the Canadian short girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. That's I mean, me. what is the line? I mean, you have, uh, there is a line in the film where you are in the UN and you are a little bit in doubt of how strong you are. Can you yeah. remember what you said? Am I ridiculous? Yeah. I'm this five foot two girl from a nowhere town, something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Am I ridiculous trying to change the whole change conversation? The yeah. yeah. So I know I'm ridiculous. Now I know I'm ridiculous. And yet I'm even more wanting to change the conversation in the world. So, so whatever. I, and you know, when I was, long time ago, when I was sued for my film Bananas yep. by the big, mighty Dole Food Company, the biggest fruit company on the planet, uh, a lot of people thought I was naive and stupid and didn't expect this. And I think, then I told people that I think it's a good thing to be naive and mm -hmm. it's a good thing to believe that you have the right to tell a story and, you know, freedom of speech exists and and uh, pol politics is a process and, and it's good to be naive. Yeah. Even if it feels like sometimes you can feel ridiculous, but it's, but 
that's fine. You know, I mean, you're an advocate too, although you call yourself a filmmaker. And I, I think that um, I've been reflecting on advocacy as a skill. And I think it's the duality of, on the one hand, I like I gen I genuinely believe I can change the world. I mean, I genuinely believe that. And then at the very same time, it feels ridiculous, impossible. Who am I? This is, you know, crazy. And I think it's that duality that makes one a kind of good advocate because you, you got to believe but then you have to be yeah. humble enough to do the work, right? To push yourself, I, keep pushing. I, I, I believe that change is possible every day in all aspects, in all details, in, in every different place. And uh, so that's the f important job for an artist or whatever you can call me, a filmmaker, is that to, to talk about hope also. Yeah, and, absolutely, and, uh, yeah. And then, of course... I believe that if the f I, I, I don't think that my films change the world, people change the world. But then I, if I can give my films as a tool for people exactly. who want to change the world, yeah. uh, that it can make a difference. Yeah. And, and, the, and the tool in push is also you. <laughs> so you're, it's your language that is uh, uh, floating out there. Yeah, which is which is really cool. Yeah. So now we should now we have to stop this because we have this, to is, stop. this is. But it, yeah, it, let's just say one more thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this. <laughs> I promise I'll end with this. It is super cool for me that Push the film is screening at the same time as the launch of the directives because they're so closely related for me deeply in a personal way, but also of course in terms of the advocacy and the project at hand. So, thanks so much for your film, Frederick. And thanks for your work, Leilani. And the directives you can s soon find out more about. And if you want to yeah, see the see Push the Film, you can always go to the website pushthefilm.com. And if you want to organize screenings, write to us because you can you can use the film also when you talk about Leilani's directives because it's it's also the film has this ability to open up hearts a bit more than, than some hardcore writings, I think. Definitely. No, we'll be using them together for sure. The combination is... Moving is, forward, yeah. And I will say the directives will be available on maketheshift.org. Uh, my comms person, Kirsten, is busily creating a web page and formatting the directives. Poor her. She's doing an amazing job. But uh, anyway, that's where people can find them. Very cool. Long live our amazing teams. And, and Kirsten is one of them. Yeah. So I wish you a happy journey over to Europe, whilst I'm on a happy journey over to your continent. Exactly. <laughs> Crazy. And that's how it is. So Leilani, take care. And I wish you all the best with your important launch of your human rights directives. Thanks, Frederick. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To support the podcast, become a patron by going to patreon.com slash pushbacktalks or follow us on social media at make underscore the shift and push underscore the film. <laughs>